0: You know, we're going to continue our and welcome those that are new here today thank you for coming and taking the time to be here with us and we're just going to continue our series on jesus being the good shepherd and you know when <clears throat> when jesus said in, Ma- in john chapter 6 do not labor for the bread that um, perishes <clears throat> he was talking about the word in the king james meat and in the, in the middle in that time during the um time of Christ, uh, people really didn't have money for meat. Uh, The meat was really for the people that had money, that were rich, that were wealthy. And so bread really was the go-to food. It was the food that kind of put people on their feet. It's what everybody could afford. And so Jesus here is using that word bread as a description, as a metaphor. And he's talking here about satisfaction. And in Psalm 23, verse 1, um, and we we need to be careful with Scripture that we know because sometimes it can become we can become a little familiar with that, and we use that word familiar as a description, in a positive way, don't don't we? But we could get so familiar with with Bible verses because we grow up like in a in a Christian culture, especially in Texas, that it can just become with like I, I've heard that before. But we want the Word of God to be fresh and new every time, and that's why we begin with prayer. That's kind of why we stand just to be. A, I like the attention that that you know that we're standing up and, and we're we're giving the Word. Um, We're giving the word honor and focus, and so Jesus here is using this word metaphor uh, bread as the as the basic meat to describe satisfaction. And when Jesus is describing himself, when when David is writing in Psalm twenty three that Jesus is the good shepherd, that Yahweh is the good shepherd, what he's saying is that the shepherd is shepherding David, and so he's not living in 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 that original in that. Version that we read says want, but really a better word to translate is lack. I shall not live in lack. And how can that be? Because there's times in our life where we live in this imperfect world where we feel like we're lacking. And I think a lot of times we feel that way, whether internally I lack what it takes to be a father, to be successful in my career, to to be courageous, to stand up against temptation, or to stand up with things that are threatening that I feel is a threat. Or it could be an external kind of a sense of insufficiency or I don't have what it takes. I don't have what it takes for me to, to live with this sense of fullness. And you know what? Jesus is saying here in John chapter 6 that there's something in, in his, that he is offering, that he is giving, that is actually something that's going to be satisfying. We live in a world of dissatisfaction and we know what that feels like. We, feel, we know what that feels like, that sense of not being satisfied. And you know something, we only can realize the lack, we can, we can only realize the lack of satisfaction because we are hungry. And I think hunger really is the key word here because if we understand what hunger is, then we understand what satisfaction is and what satisfaction is not. And so manna here, we know in the Old Testament when the children of Israel, the children of Israel were walking through the desert and they're being led by Moses those 40 years uh, every morning, there was this manna that would come down from heaven. It was like these wafer-type, of like light, um, light, fluffy um, substance that would just kind of drift down from the sky, and it would land, uh, like the dew would land in the morning. And the children of Israel would get up every morning, and they would go out, and they would collect it because if they didn't collect it in time, then it would go, it would, it would, it would spoil. It would go sour. And so for the children of Israel, this manna, this bread that was coming down from heaven was a sign of God's provision or what the world or what the earth could provide. And so Jesus is saying here, and he's, and he's using this metaphor of bread for two things. Number one, bread always gave strength. It was something powerful. It, was, it gave power. It gave strength, right? You ever feel weak? You haven't eaten in time in the morning. You're a little shaky, and you go and eat something, and then you feel like you have strength and power. Well, bread was that way. Number two, bread also was pleasant, bread was pleasant I don't know if you've been in the Middle East I've been in the Middle East and they've really perfected what bread tastes like it's really good it's amazing I can eat it all day bread is amazing and so bread speaks of the satisfaction that it gives power and it's also pleasant and enjoyable yet what happens is is that when we don't understand what true hunger is when we don't understand who Jesus Christ is as our shepherd then we're going to be living in a search I want to just park here for a second about the search, because when we were young, we were looking for things that ordinary life didn't give. I remember being a teenager and looking at the adults, you know, in the adult world that I lived in, looking at people's life, and I'm sure that you did it too. You're looking at your parents' life. You're looking at people's lives around you, and you're like, you know, I'm going to do it differently. It looks like they haven't got what they really wanted, but I'm going to get it, right? I'm going to do it differently. You ever think that way? I'm gonna, I'm, gonna be, I'm gonna be different. I'm gonna get what ordinary life can't give me. And guess what happens? We grow up and we discover the thing that we wanted, that experience that we wanted cannot offer satisfaction. And that leaves us to a place where several things can happen. So Someone said it this way, that, that when they were full and they were content and they had everything in their life that they wanted, they said this, even in contentment, I still yearn. For the imperishable, manna perished. The food that we eat will spoil. You ever have like a great meal and then some of the food's left out overnight and the next morning you wake up and it's just not good? Pizza's good, pizza will survive the night. <laughs> Cold pizza in the morning sometimes says great. But food can food will, spare, will, will, will spoil. And what Jesus here is saying in John chapter six, he's saying don't labor. And, and this is not a verse that would say don't work, just live off the system. It's a verse that tells us that people spend their time and their energy laboring for something because they're hungry, they're hungry, and they don't understand what their hunger is. And so Jesus here, if we read in chapter six, uh, verse 26, it's actually talking about how the Jews are looking for a sign, they're looking for some kind of fulfillment. And I think that when we embark on this journey of looking for fulfillment, um, it could happen at any time in our life, and we start searching for this fulfillment, we're going to discover that what we felt was going to fulfill us is actually spoiling, and it doesn't fulfill, and it leaves us empty. And we discover something that life has lies, and we call these life lies. Lies that life produces, lies that the world, lies that our, that our culture and society, that Hollywood, um, the, the stars that, that, we, that we worship in, in Hollywood... Um, they are living in this thing where they, are, where they are advertising a lifestyle that they themselves are not satisfied. You know, I just, I'll never forget, my wife and I had the opportunity to meet somebody that was pretty, that was pretty, um, you know, pretty, pretty well known. And um, I remember talking with them and I just remembered seeing the discontentment on their face. They had everything, fame they had, they were well known and they were just very, they were just very, very sad. Because life can lie to us and when we buy the lie, when we buy the package, we're not satisfied. Because what we discover is, is that there's something that's inside of us that yearns something deeper. And you can fill that, you can live that, your life to fill that hole, you can live that life to fill that, that, un, that sense of, of the need to be satisfied. And we discover that there's a hunger inside of us, and this is important, this is the first thing I wanna say, I want you guys to get it, is that we were made for something bigger. We were made for something, we have a hunger that this world can't satisfy. We have an appetite, you know that this that your life, that my life, my parents' life, our ancestors, uh, the world around, they can't satisfy it, and only there's because there's something much deeper inside of us, and that's a spiritual hunger. And Jesus here, saw, and and to David in Psalm twenty three verse one is talking about being shepherded because we have a spiritual hunger, and that this that this we that there's a desire inside of us for something deeper. Do you ever feel it that way? You feel like you've got it all, you've got the house you wanted. Maybe you still haven't gotten the house you wanted. But then you get the house you wanted, you got what you wanted, you got the degree, you got the job, and you wake up one morning and you realize there's something deeper that I need. And Jesus here is addressing this topic. We seek deeper things. We seek deep. Today, our youth are embarking on a new level of depth of searching. And we can see it on TV, we can see it on Netflix, we can see it on Hollywood is now that this embarking of, of the deeper experience is now spiritism where there is the dabbling and the entertainment where, where Hollywood and, and our culture is starting to dip into um, a spiritual, the spiritism, the occult, um, uh, the, um, the, the demonic because we've been made for something spiritual, and something deeper. And if we don't, if that is not filled, and we're going to go, we're going to go, we're going to go deeper into things that are destructive. We don't realize how deep our heart goes. Nothing in this world is big enough to fill that need in your heart. You've got something in your life. I've got something in my life. Um, I've got something in in my life as a person, as a as a pastor, as a husband, as a father, uh, as a as a as a male. There are things that are that there are. We have we have needs that only God can fulfill and that the world cannot give you and I something big enough to make it full. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? And so, so what happens is, is that when we, when we embark on that search and we don't find that search, we don't find what we're looking for, six things can happen, one of six things can happen. And everyone in this room, you, or, you and I are gonna fall under one of these six things, whether we know it or not, if we don't find what we're looking for. And number one, Um, we could be young and naive and we just we just we keep trying and we keep trying and no that's not it it must be out there so I'm going to keep searching that's not it so I'm going to keep searching and maybe there's some young people or maybe some adults that you know that just engage in that and then suddenly they're no longer engaged in that and they're doing this over there and they're constantly changing why because there's something that's deeper inside of them that they don't understand that only God can fulfill number two angry we could become angry what that means is, is that somebody could be hurt or injured in their life and it could make them, they could feel deprived. They could feel like, well, I wasn't given what I, was, what I deserved. I'm entitled for something more. And because I haven't been given that or I was denied that privilege growing up or that I was victimized in a certain way, then that makes me angry because I was looking for something and, I, and somebody gave it to me and it wasn't pure and it wasn't great and it wasn't holy, it wasn't sacred and therefore I'm gonna become an activist. I'm going to become an activist or vigilante. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to, I'm going to just exact justice the way it should be done. Or I'm going to become an aid worker. I'm going to go out and heal those people that are suffering the same thing that I suffered. And yet, that doesn't work. Because what happens is we burn out. We burn out. And once we've become that vigilante or we've exacted justice or we've helped people, we've helped the whole world. And we discover that there's something inside of us that's still not fulfilled. Number three, when we deal with a dis- disappointment, when we deal with a disappointment and we have, this, we have this, um, this brokenness, what can happen is we can become driven. We can, be dr- we can become driven. And we, when we get what we want, we're at a place where we think, you know what, there must be something better out there, maybe a better spouse, maybe a better career or a better house. And we just keep going, we keep driving. The fourth thing is despair, and this is interesting because sometimes when 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 people are searching and they're really endeavoring to get what they want in their life, when they get it, or maybe they don't get it, and they don't get it, and they feel like there's there's a problem with them. I don't have it in my life because there's something wrong with me, and this is this despair. Maybe there's something wrong with their physical appearance. Maybe they don't. Maybe there's. Maybe they're socially awkward, or maybe there's. Maybe there's something else. Maybe their income is not what, it should, what they think it should be. Maybe they're not desirable. But the despair can come into a person's life because they think, hey, there's something wrong with me or I've done something wrong. And so they begin to beat themselves up. The fourth thing, I'm sorry, the fifth thing that can happen to a person is we just get to a point where, and this usually happens at an older age, where they say, you know something, it just doesn't exist. I saw for my whole life for this thing. And you know what, I never found it. And so therefore it must not exist. I'm disillusioned, I'm disillusioned. And sometimes we find in the older generation, um, we find people that have become just disillusioned. And they look at the youth, they look at the young, younger generation and they're a little bit cynical, they're a little bit jaded. And they may say something like this to us. You know what, I used to think like you. I used to believe that there was a shiny world out there and I had rose-colored glasses, and, but yet I discovered that it's a mean, terrible world out there, and you know something, and, we did, you know, like, and that kind of a person can just dis- be so discouraging to a, a young person, because they're disillusioned, they're disillusioned, and disillusionment means that I believed, I thought there was a, I thought that there was something out there, and I really thought it was gonna be this way, but it wasn't, and I'm so disappointed, and I'm so discouraged, and then number six, another way a person and this is usually we find in eastern religions or we find in the eastern culture is detachment just say you know something i'm not going to love anything too much because i get attached i get attached and that's what buddhism teaches is don't get too close You get detached from your world be detached from your the material world that you live in and i think that that can happen to people they can just say you know what I've been hurt so many times, I'm never going to be able to love again. And I'm going to detach myself, detach my heart. And you know what happens to all of these things? It leads us to a place where we're no longer human. We no longer have a heart. You know something? The things don't touch us. Um, We don't cry. We don't weep over the things that God weeps for. We become hard. We become cynical. Why? Because we're not satisfied. And we live in this life of just not being shepherded. What happens? Well, C.S. Lewis said this. If I can't find the thing that I long for in this world, then I must be made for something or somewhere else, somewhere else better. And you and I, as believers, as Christians, as human beings, we've been made for something supernatural. We've been made for a walk of faith. We've been made for a relationship with God. And you know something? Maybe there's people that will say, no, I don't believe that. I, I, and that's fine, we're not here to argue. But what will happen eventually is that you and I will fall into one of these six categories naivety anger being driven despair disillusionment or just becoming detached why because we don't understand the shepherd the good shepherd the shepherd of our souls desires to shepherd us into a place where we're not living in spiritual dissatisfaction it's very possible and I think that maybe some of you have seen this if you've traveled a little bit or maybe if you've been around to some very broken places where there's a lot of poverty Sometimes in the most impoverished places, you find just the, the happiest people. You just see really happy kids running around as joy. I remember being in China, in Western China, which is, by the way, and people don't know this, but they're, the largest province in China is actually Muslim. And it's the Xinjiang province. And it's a province where it's just, it, everybody looks like they're from Afghanistan, or, and they're a Turkic people group. And me and another uh, brother from Kyrgyzstan went there uh, after a conference we had in Almaty, Kazakhstan. And we just took a taxi to the border. It was $45. It was a seven hour ride, $45 taxi ride in a nice Mercedes. We get to the border, we walk across the border. The Chinese guards were just flabbergasted. They didn't even understand who we were and what we were doing. And we just told people, hey, we're just going to teach people English. They're like, okay. And so it was funny because the head, the head guard of the border crossing comes out to me, and I thought, man, I'm in trouble. And he was this really big guy, from Chinese guy, and he just starts speaking to me in really broken English. And he goes, how's my English? And I said, oh man, that's great English. (laughs) Really good English, you know? And like, he said, okay, go through. So we get to this city, and it was a really, really poor place because in that part of China, the the Uyghur people are very, very pressed in and oppressed by the government, and they don't have addresses, they don't have documents, they they don't have like passports or licenses or IDs, and they don't even have cell phones. So we went to this village of like maybe 10,000 people and it was just very simple no street names no nothing and uh, we met these two guys two young guys and they took us from house to house to house and every house that we met there was a family there and the guy that was with me he was translating into their language every house that we went to we talked to them and they just they were so happy like it was in the middle of January it was really cold but there are these kids outside playing and they just had these thick sweaters, that's all they had. They're outside playing in the snow, they're just playing. And it was just very like, you know, it was just a very interesting, um, simple, naive kind of joy. And we met person after person. And as we talked with them, they didn't have very much, but they had a, very, they had a deep sense that there was a God. And every house that we went to, we literally at the end of the, vi- at the, end of the visit, prayed with the family. We also prayed with 10 families christ and we just ran out of time we went from and then that family would say hey can you go tell my cousins this so we go to their cousin it was like something out of the book of acts and and you know there's no address there and when we left um we had no phone number we realized there's like we don't even know where it was on the map because that town wasn't on the map because these people are not you know they're just not recognized and so there's a village somewhere where there's like multitude of families that got saved and we don't know what god is doing maybe there's something incredible happening there but you know something that simple sense of satisfaction when Jesus Christ is our shepherd, when we allow him to be shepherded. Last week, we talked about allowing God to shepherd us, and not living in isolation. And here, Jesus here is talking about don't search and labor for those things that aren't going to bring satisfaction. And yet, we miss it. We miss that all the time. And guess what? There's no condemnation. God will bring us back. He brings us back. We've been made for something deeper, and you know something, something deep's not gonna, if it's not eternal, it's not gonna satisfy us. You know, we can get married or date somebody or find a relationship with somebody or, or, or at a certain time in our life, be, be, a, be a grandparent or, 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 or a mentor or a coach of some kind. And if it's not the communion with Jesus Christ with these people, then it's not satisfying. You know, we can do incredible things for society. We can do that. But our primary satisfaction needs to be Jesus Christ and a Him shepherding us. He wants to shepherd our thoughts. He wants to shepherd our, our words. Psalm 17, it says that, God, that my sentence comes from your presence. Wow, imagine that. In the morning, that should be our prayer, Lord, that my sentence, that my words would come from your presence. In Psalm 17, Jesus wants to shepherd our thoughts. He wants to shepherd, it's going to sound funny, don't, don't, don't laugh at me, but He wants to shepherd us how, our, how we are in our health, how to take care of ourselves, because this is the temple. He wants to shepherd us in our relationships. Jesus and Jonathan, I'm sorry, David and Jonathan, remember their friendship? Jonathan was king or was becoming king and Jonathan was supposed to be the next king and, he, and Jonathan gives David his armor, his sword, and says, you know what, you're the anointed guy, not me. And, and David is the anointed. And, and, and at, that, that, at that time, they made Jesus, they said, let the Lord be between us. God wants to shepherd our relationships. Make sure that Christ is between you and your, your closest person, and your spouse, between you and your spouse, between you and your kids, between you and your, your, your employees or where you work. He wants to shepherd our relationships. He wants to shepherd our words, he wants to shepherd our thought life. He wants to shepherd our worship. He also wants to shepherd us when we're in trials and temptations and difficulties. Let him shepherd you, let him lead you. Let him lead you to green pastures because you know it's very possible that we have very, very little in our life or we're lacking very, very much. Could be that we have a broken relationship in our life and yet we're okay because we're being shepherded by Jesus Christ moment by moment. Can we do that? Can you, can, you be, can you be shepherded by Christ? Can you be shepherded by his thoughts, his words, his eyes? There's a beautiful verse that says, I will guide them with my eye. You know, It's really unique because when I was in Ukraine recently, there's a family there and they're they're from the Middle East. And the way they raise their kids is just so unique, it's so different than maybe the European model. And what they've done is, what they do, is that at a young age, a child is able to read the parent's eyes and their look and understand the correction or what they're supposed to do or if they're doing something wrong. And the reason why I know this is because I was at an event and there was this one little kid there and I joked with him a little bit in Ukrainian And they looked at me right in my eyes. They just dead look. And they're just reading my eyes like, are you joking or are you serious? Like when we know God, when we know his intimacy, when we know him as our shepherd, when we're we're walking, he's leading us beside still waters. When he's leading us to a place of rest in the midst of a table in the midst of our enemies. If you feel like you're in a very, very dangerous place, there's a table there for you. And God sets it. And he wants us to eat from that table. After the service tonight, today, we're going to have some really great food, right? There's a table that's set for us. There's something. Who eats? Who sits down and eats in the middle of a war? When you're on the front line, you're not going to sit down and just, okay, guys, and just, you know, put your apron on and start eating, you know, knife and fork. That doesn't happen because we're thinking about how vulnerable we are and how, how much of a prey we are. But yet God says in Psalm 23, he says, when I'm shepherding you, when I'm shepherding you, there's going to be a table for you in the midst of your enemies, and you're going to have a feast and that's when jesus that's when Jesus is um, separating us what's the main problem? The main problem is that, that Augustine said this he said this he said that our love, our loves the way we love is disordered it's not so much what we believe or what we think or what we even do or say that makes us who we are, but it's what we really love the most can you can you focus on that for me with for, with me for a minute it's not what we do it's not what we say it's not what we think it's not how we act that makes us who we are it's what we love and what we love mightily because what we love is what we're going to become for example if I love my family more if I love I'm sorry if I love my career more than my family then I'm going to destroy my family right because the love is disordered The love doesn't have the right priority um, Paul said to the Philippian church, he said, let your love be according to knowledge. Like, how does God love, right? Augustine said, our loves are disordered. They're out of place. And when our love is in the right place, then we're gonna have a healthy life and things are not going to be destroyed. We're gonna discover satisfaction. Um, anything that, if we love anything more than God in our life, is always gonna lead to one thing, disappointment, right? Just absolute disappointment. And this is the bread that satisfies, okay? This is the bread that satisfies. Jesus said this, he doesn't promise to give us bread. I like that in John chapter six, he says this, Jesus didn't come and say, you know, I promise to give you bread. Sometimes when people are having a hard time, we wanna say, you know what, it's gonna be great. It's gonna be okay. You're gonna be okay. That situation is gonna be okay. And I think that that's the wrong thing really that we're promising people. We need to tell people that, you know what? Jesus is gonna be okay. God is gonna be present there for you. And Jesus here says, I am the bread. I'm not going to give you bread. I am the bread. And this is the intimacy that Christ wants us with, wants with us. Because bread spoils, it dies, and then we're hungry again. Uh, bread is breakable, and it's to be eaten. But Jesus said, I'm the bread, and I'm immortal, and so I'm never going to die. You can break me. You can, you can consume me, like in communion. Uh, you can... Um, You can do anything to me, but I'm bread that's never going to spoil and it's never going to die. And this is the bread that gives us power. This is bread that gives us pleasure. And it's something that's never going to end. Do you know something that true pleasure and, you know, we live in a very hedonistic society. Hedonism means it's the pursuit of satisfaction and pleasure and entertainment, right? We live in that kind of a society. We do. And there's nothing wrong with having a good good pleasurable life. But when it becomes our God, guess what happens? We begin to consume things and seek things that are not gonna make us happy, that are not gonna be in, put us in a place where we're just, we're at peace and at rest with ourselves. Jesus said that I am that bread and he that eats of me in John chapter six, he that eats, he's, he will be, he will never die. He that believes on me will never die and will never live in this sense of spoiled food. It's never gonna go bad. You know, it's, you know, it can be good and good and good, and then it's not good, and then it's bad. With Christ, it never changes, it never ends. God is, he, Jesus is immortal, and he tasted death, and he's experienced, and he's suffered eternally. And, and, and why did he do all of that? Because of love. And I want to cl- close with this. It's the only satisfaction that we will ever experience to be the satisfaction that we have with Christ, a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's when his words, when he speaks to us, in our darkness, and he speaks to us in our joy. That's what brings satisfaction. We can be, we can be in a place today of lack. We can be in a place of want. We can be in a place of, of, of um, need, and yet, and yet be satisfied and walk in this walk, walk with peace. I think that sometimes when people look at you and they say, "How can you do that? How can you have so much peace in your life when all these things are happening?" It's because Jesus is shepherding me. He's shepherding my thoughts. He's shepherding my steps, my decisions. and he's shepherding every step of the way. And when this happens, there's this satisfaction, there's this fullness that we, that we experience, because He is enough. Jesus is enough. I, I, I have to tell a story. I've told a story before, and, but Mira, um, I was pastoring a church that we had replanted in north of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And I remember like, it was just—it an old building and, and my wife and I had spent a lot of our own money just to get this going. And we had, um, you know, we were just starting services there. And I remember that one Sunday, one weekend, we had this idea, we're gonna have like a community day. So we got a pig, we roasted the pig, and we just like, we brought it out, we had a parking lot next to our church. And Philadelphia up there, roasted pigs is a big thing. Like, so we got a roasted pig. And we just, like, it was all this tinfoil. We opened up. We, we just started serving it. And we had, like, 200 people show up from the neighborhood. It was a, kind of like a small suburban, suburban town. And I remember, like, you know, we had these activities. We had these games. We had, uh, we had these raffles. And it was really a lot of fun. And I thought, you know what? Tomorrow's going to be a big Sunday, you know? <laughs> I thought, wow, it's going to be a big Sunday. We got a lot of people that came out. They know about us. And you know something? Sunday came around. We were, like, ready for you know, we had extra chairs out, and I remember, I remember we had, we had only like, we had like um, five elderly people that came, and one family that was just, just a wreck, and I remember just like being in this chapel, and I was thinking, I was so angry, I was so upset, because, because I was thinking, you know, what, God, we did all of this, we worked so hard, and we had this program already, and it was like, during the worship time, and and I was like, I wasn't doing the worship at the time, and I was just there, and I was thinking my attitude was so bad, <laughs> as a pastor, it happens, yeah, it happened, and I just remember thinking like, God, you know, like, what do you want us to even do here, like, are we even supposed to be here, and and I'm just looking at, like, I'm just thinking, I'm, you know, just, you guys are thinking, man, he was really off, I was, and like, the Lord's like, are you okay, and I was like, no, I'm not okay, and then he says, the Lord, and as the worship's going, I'm trying to get my attitude and a good attitude I can preach in, like the right mind to preach in. And I just remember the Holy Spirit shouting to me, speaking to me, and asking me this very powerful question. He goes, he goes, he goes, he, Jesus said to me, am I enough for you in this church? Am I enough? I was like, I was like, no I want a lot of people in this building (laughs) and like you know and I said okay you are enough and it was just such a lesson to me that like like if Jesus is not everything if he's not our first love then nothing's going to satisfy that you can have everything you want you can have everything in this world and you're going to discover I've been made for something deeper I've been made for deeper fellowship that's what we crave in church don't we that's what we crave in the body of Christ it's just deep fellowship you know, we enjoy the fun times and the social times, but there's moments where we just want to sit down and just talk about some deep things with God, heart to heart, with open face, right? And that's the satisfaction in a church. That's the satisfaction when we talk to people. People really desire deep things. I'll tell you one more story. Yesterday, we were out in a neighborhood not far from here, down by, um, down by Aldi's, behind Aldi's, and we were just talking with neighbors there. And I remember um, Micah and Noah and I, Micah, Noah, and I knocked on this one door. This guy came out, and he just seemed kind of off, you know, and just something wasn't right, just kind of acted just, just weird. We were talking, and, and, he's, and he's just talking like, you know, he kind of just seemed like upbeat and just distracted, older guy. And he said, you know, I just came back. I'm Catholic, he said. I just came back from a funeral of a dear friend of mine who was, a, who was a, a, my cousin, and he was hit by a truck, and I just got back home minutes ago. And I just said, I'm so sorry to hear that. And yet we endeavored to go into a conversation to encourage him, to comfort him. And yet he didn't want to meet there. He didn't want to have that conversation. And he was just wanted to be on this other level of, hey, everything's great. Look at my truck over there. He had this really old um, Ford 250 from 1965. Beautiful truck. He, he was refinishing it. And he just, he goes, come over, and I'll just show you the truck. And like, it just, it, Everything was just about something else and I could tell this man's really hurting and he's really grieving and yet maybe he had never had someone in his life that could talk to him about the deep things because we're deep people. We've been made for deep relationship with God and with people and for a relationship and as sheep, when we enter into into that intimacy with Christ, with intimacy with God, then there's this deep satisfaction and you know what? In the times of most deepest need, we have this sense of satisfaction and health because we're being shepherded, not by our old sin nature, not by our lusts. We're not being shepherded by our bad decisions, by what the world is telling us. We're not being shepherded by people who are cynical and disappointed and disillusioned by life. We're being shepherded by one who loves our soul. And you know what happens? We discover that we have a spiritual appetite. We have spiritual hunger. Matthew chapter 5, it says, Blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, that you fill us. Lord, we truly hunger, God, for that spiritual thing. We hunger for you. Lord, we, we confess that. We recognize that. And maybe, maybe there's uh, folks here today that maybe you're in a place where you feel like you're pursuing uh, an unsatisfiable desire uh, maybe you're just living in, in maybe degrees of dissatisfaction or anger or maybe some of these other things that we talked about, disillusionment or despair or maybe a naivety or, or some other way we're just trying to deal with the lack of satisfaction. Today, we just wanna look to you, Lord. We wanna look at you and just say, Lord, satisfy me with your goodness. Satisfy me with your holiness. Satisfy me with your love, your words and I will be filled. If you're here this morning and maybe you don't know Jesus Christ is your Savior, you've believed in him, maybe you believe he exists, just say, by faith today, Lord, I don't know, I'm just by faith going to believe on you and trust you and let you do the rest. Father, we thank you for this time together. We pray, Lord, as as we finish this service, bless our weakness before us in Jesus' name.